Hello, Mountain Park. My name is Alan. I have very much enjoyed my summer teaching break, but I have been looking forward to getting back with you here today. Before I get started with the topic of follower that DeAndre has set us up for here today, I want to invite you to pray with me for the people of Lebanon. Camille Melki is a long-term friend of mine. We went to seminary together a number of years ago, and he leads an organization called Heart for Lebanon. They have been serving Syrian refugees in the country of Lebanon for a number of years. The horrific explosion that took place in the capital city of Beirut earlier this week has destroyed an area about the size of Awatuki. About 300,000 people are left homeless because of this event, because of this incident. And it's estimated that nearly 200,000 people will die of starvation by the end of this year. 200,000 souls. Now, the, the good news is that the people involved with Heart for Lebanon were not injured uh, by this blast. But what they did in other parts of the country and other parts of the city is they just dropped what they were doing and they assembled in Beirut to do whatever they can to help the people there. It's fascinating that with all that's going on there, the coronavirus is a non-issue. They are not wearing masks and they're not staying six feet apart from one another. They have bigger things to take care of right now. And we want to team up with them. We want to pray for them. Their message has always been a message of hope. Heart for Lebanon's message is a message of hope to the Syrian refugees, no matter what's going on in life, Christ gives hope. Now, we will continue to support them financially as a church, but right now, as I understand it, what they don't need immediately is money. What they need right now is hope. That the leaders, as they look at what's going on, all the, all the circumstances in that part of the world, they need hope themselves as leaders. They can't give what they're struggling with on their own. And so uh, uh, in, the, in the weeks and months to come, I'm sure there will be financial need, but right now what they need is hope. So what I wanna do is I wanna, I wanna pray for them and I wanna invite you to participate with me. Uh, at some point in the prayer, I'm gonna leave a pause, a silent pause, and I ask that you, wherever you are, to verbally say, words of encouragement and prayer to our brothers and sisters in Lebanon. The leader of the organization, his name is Camille, and the organization is called Heart for Lebanon. Would you pray with me right now? Father, our hearts are connected with our brothers and sisters right now in this part of the world. Just right now, this moment, they are either exhausted because they've been scrambling or they are running around scrambling, doing all that they can to help people. Father, would you bless them right now? Would you, would you give them the hope that they need personally so that they can pass it on to those whom they are serving? Father, we lift them up right now as a church, verbally, we lift them up. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.
Amen. Thank you for joining with me in prayer. We will keep you informed as we learn more about what's happening in Lebanon. But now for us here in Phoenix, I wanted to give you an update in terms of us being able to regather here in our auditorium. Uh, I, last time I did a message here from this angle, some people thought this was a green screen in behind me, that, that it's all just fake. You might think that right now, that it's not real in behind, but let me, let me assure you, this, let me assure you, this, this is your auditorium. This is your couch and your cushion on your couch. It's, it's, this isn't fake. This is the real deal, baby. And I just want you to know that we are very excited about regathering with you here in our auditorium. We are looking forward to it. In fact, we are chomping at the bit to be able to regather here. But we believe that it just needs a little bit more time. Our, our hope is, is that... We want to get to the point where we're not gathering in here, nervous about the details, focusing, thinking about the details and how far, how far apart people are, et cetera. But instead, we are enjoying the opportunity that we're not focused on the details, we are focused on Jesus. And we think that just needs a little bit more time. So we are gonna continue with online church through the month of September. That's another eight weeks with the hopes that we will be able to regather here in the month of October. Now, through all of that, I am excited because we are jumping into our new version of the Realize Your Role journal. See, this is it. This is the new Realize Your Role journal and it is squeaky clean. It's, it's, it's just ready to go. The theme for the journal this time is purpose, part red, purpose, we all want to know what our purpose is. What, what am I doing here? What is the point of life? Why do I have to endure suffering? Why are some years great and then other years are filled with an, with an awful, ridiculous worldwide pandemic? We all want to know what our purpose is, etc. And so we invite you to join us on this 18-week journey experience. If you do not have a journal yet, you can go to our website, mountainpark.org, and click on the button that says resources, and you can pick up a journal. If you do have a journal, I invite you to turn with me to page 12. It is a Bible reading plan. And let me just tell you, you need to do this. All right, especially if you've never read the Bible before. This is about a daily reading, five times a week, just Usually it's only two chapters a day. And over the six journals that we've created for this overall experience, you will be able to read the whole Bible. Two chapters a day. This is very doable. Very doable. Our hope for the, for the eight weeks of online church is that you will not just sit and listen. Sit and listen, sit and listen. Our hope is that you will be engaged that you will be active, that you will participate, that you will read, that you will perhaps even write some things as we walk this through, that you will speak, that you will talk, that you will participate in this journey. Now, week one here in our journal, we are looking at our role as follower. Essentially, we're, we start off every journal with the question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Being born in the United States does not make you a Christian. Going to church does not make you a Christian. Knowing some magic words or saying a particular phrase does not make you a Christian. So what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Okay, 
Think of someone you know who does not go to church with you here at Mountain Park. Anyone, a family member, a coworker, a friend at school. What would that person say about Jesus? Who would that person say Jesus is? Go ahead, say it, say it out loud. Say it out loud, where you are. Uh-huh, say it, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, now, now, no, no, no. Who would you say Jesus is? Now, you don't need to say this out loud, but I want you to think in your mind, who do you say Jesus is? What's your answer to that question? That is the main question of life. That is, the, there is no question more important than that question. The reason I know that it's a good question is that it is exactly what Jesus asked of his disciples. I want to invite you to turn uh, with me to Matthew chapter 16. Go get your Bible. Okay, wh wherever it is, go, go, go pick up your Bible and open up to Matthew chapter 16. Now, I know you're thinking that I can't see you, so you don't have to actually go get it. No, seriously, go get your Bible and open it up to the first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 16. Okay, so Jesus just has, at the beginning of this chapter, he has another run-in with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They are the religious leaders of the time, and they are not uh, uh, huge fans of Jesus. He just has another run-in with them, and then he says to his disciples, chapter 16, verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now this phrase, Son of Man, can be a little bit confusing, but really Jesus is just reminding them that he is fully human. He's not just the Son of God. He is the Son of Man. But what he's really asking here is, who do people say that I am? What are people saying about me? Jesus is asking. Now, there are a couple very interesting things about this question. The first thing is that, that Jesus never actually says, I am the Messiah. In all four Gospels, in all of those stories, in all of the different ways that we know Jesus is the Messiah, he never actually says the phrase. He actually wants us to put the pieces together. In Luke chapter 4, which is a story we looked at a number of months ago, which is similar to the, the end of Iron Man, where, where Jesus says, I am, uh, you know, Jesus essentially says, I am the Messiah, but he never uses those words. He reads from the ancient scroll of Isaiah that talked about a coming Messiah. And then he looks at the people and he says, today, these words are fulfilled in your hearing. To which they could say, wait, what? Did you? Are you saying what I think you're saying? There, he, Jesus never actually uses the phrase. In fact, there's also a time in John chapter 10 where the disciples just, just say to Jesus, can you tell us plainly? Just tell us plainly, are you the Messiah? To which Jesus responds, I've told you, but you don't believe me. Okay, so is that a yes or a no? <laughs> Uh, what I think is beautiful about the story of Jesus, he wants us to, to discover who he is. He doesn't want us to just learn a phrase, to learn information. He wants to, to us to discover the magnitude of who he is. 
The second thing that's really important, really interesting about uh, this question, it's important to, to remember this, that Jesus is not referring to the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were talked about in the first part of the chapter. He knows what they think of him, and, it, and it's not very good stuff, okay? He, but he's not asking what the disciples say they think of him. He's referring to the hundreds, to the thousands who follow Jesus around, who have been fed by Jesus up on the hillside. He wants to know what, what the disciples think they all say of him. In other words, these are people who support Jesus, who are following him, who want to hear from him, who believe he has something incredibly good to say. What do they say about them? This is important because we can be a fan of Jesus. We can want to hear what he has to say and believe what he says has great value and still get this question wrong. The disciples respond. Verse 14. Some say John the Baptist. Earlier in the book of Matthew, John the Baptist is beheaded by Herod. And Herod says that he thinks Jesus could be John the Baptist risen from the dead. I guess with a different head or something. They continue, others say Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. These prophets, Elijah, Jeremiah, etc. These are heroes of the faith. They are held with very high esteem. This would have been a very high thing to compare Jesus to, but it's still not high enough. What about you, he asks. Who do you say I am? This is the question. This is the most important question of life. See, we can land in different places on every other issue known to humanity. And we do. On every political issue and every theological issue, we can land in different places. We are all over the map. And it's actually a beautiful thing. We can learn from each other. We can stretch and we can grow. And it's a beautiful thing. But this is the core question. This is the most important question. If you're moving to another city and you're going to be looking for a new church, Ask the pastor this question. Who do you say Jesus is? It's the most important question. If you have a friend who is considering full-time ministry and you want to help them process through that decision, ask them, who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you right now? If you have a daughter and there's a young man who wants to date her, don't threaten that if he treats her poorly that he's going to see Jesus soon. Just sit him down and ask him, who do you say Jesus is? If you know, one, some, if you know someone who's Mormon, ask him this question. If you know someone who's Jehovah Witness, ask him this question. If you know someone who is um, Muslim, ask them this question. If you want to find out how someone else's faith lines up with your own faith, this is the question. Who do you say Jesus is. And Peter responds in this way. Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. In other words, Peter, 
That's the right answer. You are the Christ. Christ is not the last name of Jesus. Mary and Joseph Christ did not give birth to a baby boy named Jesus. Jesus is his name. Christ is his title. You are the Christ. Christ means the chosen one, the, the anointed one, the Messiah. Giving him the label of prophet, as, as many were doing, to say you were on the level of prophet, was a very high level to be giving the rabbi Jesus. But it wasn't high enough. Peter understands, you are the Christ. Yeah, this is so important to understand. It's not a trick question by Jesus. He's not trying to just see who knows the magic word and who doesn't know the magic word. He, Jesus is not like the bridge keeper from the Holy Grail who says, what is your favorite color? Blue, no red. Ah! Jesus is not trying to trick anyone. He wants us to to discover, to realize just who he is, how high Jesus is. So here's what this means, this question. Who do you say Jesus is? If your answer is anything like Jesus as a buddy, then you will take or leave whatever he has to say. You value his thoughts as much as you value your own. You will listen, you will consider what Jesus has to say, but then ultimately you'll do whatever you want. You're not anti-Jesus in the same way that the people gathered on the hill are not anti-Jesus. Jesus is not talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were essentially anti-Jesus. He, he was talking about people who wanted to hear from Jesus, but maybe not follow Jesus or surrender themselves to Jesus. For example, if Jesus says, men, do not look lustfully at another woman. We might say, well, that's a great idea. It, I could see how that would be helpful for some people, but it ain't going to happen in my life. As long as I, I figure, as long as I don't act on any of that, then I'll be fine. That's treating Jesus as a buddy. If, however, your response to the, who do you say Jesus is, if Jesus is, is, is on, on the level of Elijah or Jeremiah, if Jesus is like a prophet, then you will elevate Jesus to the point where you value what he has to say more than your own thoughts, more than most other thoughts in the world. But there are some things that have similar voice to Jesus. There, there is another person. There is a relationship. There is something in your life that has that kind of authority, some kind of habit, some kind of activity, some uh, a hobby that you're involved with that is on the, a similar level to Jesus. And what that means is that if these two things are ever in competition with one another, you're not sure which one is going to win. But if Jesus is not on the buddy level, not on the prophet level, if Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, then he reigns above all else. There is no competition. There is no debate. What it means to follow Jesus is to say, I wholeheartedly surrender my will to you. So, what does your life say about who you think Jesus is. 
What does your life say? This isn't a trick question. It's not about having the exact right word to say at the right time when you're standing before the, the gates of heaven and do you have the right answer? That's what, not what this is about. What does your life say with regard to your answer to this question? Who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? Is he your buddy? Is he elevated like a prophet? Or is he the Christ? Do you surrender any and every decision to Jesus as Lord? What does your life say about who Jesus is in your life? That is the most important question. And that determines who is a follower of Jesus and who is just a fan. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the beauty and the creativity of your stories and the way that you had an encounter with real men and women here on this earth and that we get to see glimpses of it and we get to enter into these stories and say, how would I respond to that question, etc." So God, I pray now as we enter into this fall journal, as we enter into the fall season, God, that you would help us to, to challenge us to really ask ourselves, who is Jesus in my life? Do, have, I, have I partially embraced Jesus or have I wholly embraced Jesus as Lord? That, that I'm not sort of a Christian, I am, I am fully surrendered to Jesus as Lord. God, would you help us to unpack that, to find out what it means to wholeheartedly follow you so that we can experience all that you have for us. We pray in the name of your Son, amen.